Hi, I'm BJ with Taste of the Wind, based out of Centennial, Wyoming. We're in the southeast corner of the state, and we raise locally and ethically grown pork, lamb, chicken, and eggs. And we work with a bunch of other local producers to offer a plethora of different products that are also locally and ethically raised. Welcome to the very first Taste of the Wind podcast episode. I am so excited. This is something I've wanted to do for over a year, and I'm finally buckling down and doing it. And what a more perfect excuse than to interview one of our favorite beef ranchers in southeast Wyoming, Ed Siegel of Centennial Valley Grass Finished Beef. He is really one of our neighbors. He's in the same valley that we are based out of, the Centennial Valley, just 30 miles west of Laramie, Wyoming, and he is raising Highland Galloway cattle. Those are both Scottish breeds of cattle, and they do very well out here in this harsh climate. Um, He raises these animals with rotational grazing on native grass pastures. So these animals are born and grazed in the state of Wyoming, and they are finished and processed within 100 miles of the ranch. So it's ultra local product. In this interview, you will hear me asking the questions, and then you'll hear a lot of Ed's answers, some anecdotes, and some funny stories. You'll also hear a little bit of Moxie, his daughter, talking, and then Bree, one of the gals who works on the ranch, as well as some side input from Chris, my husband. So I hope you thoroughly enjoy. We've incorporated some of the questions that you guys asked through our email list. If you're not on the email list, you can get on that through our website www.tasteofthewind.com and don't forget that you can get beef from these ranchers in this series of interviews through taste of the wind um, through our website so if you get on our online store you can place your deposit and if you do that by march 1st you'll be entered into a giveaway of three meet your rancher experiences where you can literally meet your ranchers and get to know their operation meet the cattle and see how it all works so i hope you thoroughly enjoy this podcast Uh, we had a great time what makes your beef different a commodity beef (laughs) It's, it's born and raised here in the United States, <laughs> number one. Um, it's no, no hormones, no, you know, no antibiotics. We do not feed antibiotics. And then, um, you know, they just have a, a happy, long life that they just are content animals. And uh, I, I think that means a lot. You know, they never see a feedlot. They're happy till the day they die. I understand people don't want to see something die. And I hate shipping day more than anything in the world because of that. I, I believe it's a good way to raise animals, and that's why I think they're different. You know, our, our animals are suited to, to our climate, um, which is not only more profitable to me, but is more humane to an animal that is um, having to go through the winter, you know, mm-hmm. around here. Because it's, as you well know, it's not, <laughs> it ain't the prettiest place on earth in January. I mean, people that show up randomly might think so, but it has some days of Arctic of, uh, tundra. Arctic tundra, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like 
why would anything live here? Even the bison left here, you know, <laughs> at certain points in time. I'm going to try some tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I love your guys' beef. It's great. Yeah, I do. Um, the, why do you do it that way? Why do you want to raise beef differently? Other than it being good for the animals, like you said. Um, and uh, it's an idealistic way to, to raise beef. You want things to be done right, and you like you have an idea of what's right and what's wrong. Using those animals to to benefit the ground and benefit the land and benefit the water, and then and then on top of that, you know, giving them a happy life um, is just my ideal way of going about it. Do you feel differently? <laughs> no, I I think seeing happy animals does something for us as well internally it just yeah. sucks when you walk out there and everybody's suffering yeah everybody's mm -hmm. out there in a, in a i have nothing against feedlots i understand that people need mass quantities of beef and that kind of thing but this is the way i would rather have my animals be treated and really care for those animals those animals when when something goes wrong and one of those animals dies or is sick i i feel like major compassion for that animal yeah um they're part of your whole your life yeah your operation yeah your dream yeah uh, yeah I, I want them to be happy and healthy and it makes me so freaking happy to watch them bouncing around out there and you know being goofy and like <laughs> just awesome you know they're just they're the goofiest animals ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i love them I, I, and I, I, most of these animals I've seen from the day that they were born, you know, like I watched them come out of their mother and I know that animal to the day it's, it goes away. And I'm like, it, that hurts, you know, no matter which way it, you're not human. If you don't say that it really doesn't hurt you yeah. know, a little bit. So you, uh, you want to raise, um, what are your top three amazing things about your beef that your customers can appreciate? Um, top three things that, well, number one, I think our beef tastes freaking phenomenal. Like I just, I really like the way our beef tastes. Uh, I appreciate the fact that it, people are buying local and it's supporting an agriculture, which I think this is the best way to do it. And, and it's the most natural way to do it. Um, Nature is funny because it, it teaches you like these weird things of like if you work against it and you build a factory and you build your beef in a factory, it's it's completely freaking adverse to nature and pouring cement and building a building and do, whereas a natural cycle, if you work with nat nature like. A, w a better way it's always been a better way and it's and i believe in that way so the cows and and the earth are a symbiotic thing they're the, the yin and the yang and like the if you don't have the cows the ground decreases in production and and becomes a uh, more barren place this disturbance and you have the cows and you and you're grazing them it heals the land. It actually heals the ground. So, particular <laughs> makes your beef good for the community. 
man, they're getting some of the best product in the world. Like when you're distributing it through, again, it comes back to the environment. Like you're not having to ship that thing from South America, which most of the beef in the United States is coming from now. And um, they're burning down the freaking rainforest for to ship you beef. Like when you buy it from this person, you know that it has had a minimal impact on the environment and it's the best quality product that you can buy. Like bar none. It's just you can't buy a better quality product in the store business to be like the craft beer business in in Germany or Fort Collins. People look at that beef and they're like, that's my brand, man. That's the beer I drink. That's the beef I eat. Um, what in particular makes your beef good for agriculture as a whole? Consumed by... And I'm a capitalist, don't get me wrong, like I am a capitalist, but it is being consumed by the fact that the big four, Tyson, Purdue, you know, there's four of them, are basically putting the small rancher out of business. When we moved into this community, there was seven small producers of, of beef. And, and I say small between... 300 and and 400 animals and now there is there is me and there is one restart business as well um who's that uh molly is okay. molly uh on the deerwood on the deerwood and those those guys everybody got basically freaking ran out of business by the commodity business by scale and those basically monopolized or and, quadrupled and quadrupled yeah quadrupled <laughs> and and put everybody out of business so and that they've destroyed the small farm and the or small farm and small ranch and the, the small States, butcher and the small butcher in the United States which is which is criminal and our government isn't doing anything about it which is whether you're democrat or republican and there are Basically, what's happening is there's a consolidation of land, and it's, and, 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 and you either get big or get out. And why I, I, have, I realized that right off the bat and was like, I'm not playing that freaking game. This is why I'm selling beef this way. And like, there's just no way. Yeah. I, I, and, and it's a race to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. And I feel bad for producers that are stuck in the middle. You know, there's a lot of my friends that are stuck in the middle right now. These people are put in 10, 12-hour days on a regular basis, and they're smart people. They're in, beyond my intelligence of people. I can't play that game. And that's why I'm thankful for people like you that, like, get it, you know, get what we're and doing. And these people, these yeah. people care, too. Yeah. And these people have the real power. What are some objections or questions you have heard from potential or past customers? From the people that aren't sold on grass-fed, and I get it. I like a, I like a corn-fed steak, too. I, I, I'm not against it. Um, I'm just kind of against the way it's done. The way the animals are treated? Yeah, yeah, just the way the animals are treated. And, I, and it's going to taste different, you know, and... Uh, I, I think they're tender. I think they're fat. They're when they're butchered and they're 
delightful. But, um, I, you know, I've had people say, well, it tastes a little bit gamey to me. And I'm like, well, it's, it's, not, it's not an elk, that's for sure. But it's definitely different from what your palate is. But corn-fed beef, too, sometimes tastes to me a little bit like eating, like, a lot of fat. <laughs> you know, like, I just like to taste the beef. Yeah. What is your favorite part of raising beef? I honestly love the community. Like, I love my friends. I love my people that I work with. I love every aspect of that. I look forward to the summers. At the end of the summers, I don't look forward to the summers. <laughs> I look forward to it every year, and I'm like, you know, that was a lot of work. But um, the community, God, this is the best people in the world. And then, man, there's nothing nothing more fantastic than seeing a little fat happy calf bounce around his mom in the spring you know and like hanging out on a horse and just watching him you know oh god dang that'll rip your heart out like it's one of the best things in the world i don't have to tell you (laughs) well you don't have to tell me but (laughs) i gotta tell there's a bunch of people who want to know i just i love i love watching the animals and they're goofy animals (laughs) they're like i keep coming back to that they're just they got personalities. They got personalities. They've got communities. They're, they've, they're just an awesome animal. And, um, and they live this wonderful life. And, yeah, it does end, but everything ends, you know. Like they're here. They're having a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Why have you chosen this path in life? I'm not real bright. <laughs> <laughs> There's the funniest thing is, is I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I remember being like, I'll never be a farmer and watching Star, you know, Luke Skywalker. I'm not built to be a farmer, and I was like, you know, I became a pilot because I watched Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, but I was like, I'll never be a farmer, and the next thing I know, I'm a farmer. Ran <laughs> an awesome life, you know, like it's the best way. It, it's a, it, it dropped itself in my lap, and it and I. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea to raise kids that way and raise some livestock and you know live off live with the land and like make improvements and then I fell in love with it, you know, like more it totally chose me. Like I just fell into it and like absolutely fell in love with it. Like, You're not it, bitter about it. No. Yeah, my wife my wife drugged me that way. She's like, You're gonna be a rancher. Because I was going to marry a rich rancher. I was like, well, you married one of them. (laughs) (laughs) What does the future of food production agriculture look like in your mind? I'm hoping that the... uh, And people start to understand that these are not bad for the environment, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like, when people out here eat less meat, I'm like choose the way you eat less meat mm-hmm. or choose the way that it's produced that is beneficial to the world and to the into the environment but like eating less meat is like the, is exactly the wrong way to go about it i see these people and they're like well we need to become vegans i'm like Wait, do you know what the carbon footprint of a vegan is compared to the carbon footprint of a of a of someone that that 
does that and they're like oh well you know cows produce methane well the methane that's produced by a cow is a natural product that that actually is breaks down in the environment way faster than the methane that's produced off of you know an oil well it's 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 a natural process that actually breaks down in the in the atmosphere when you're digging fossil fuels and like and to produce your soybean is is exponential like how much more you're impacting the environment um and there and then the the water they keep saying well the, it, a cow takes 10,000 gallons to what do you think that cow that that cow at six pounds per gallon would weigh six thousand pounds if it took that much water to produce that cow it doesn't weigh that much now if you're doing it correctly that water is going back into the ground raising more grass absorbing more carbon and then burning less fossil fuels like he does it on his own man he's just living i see that eventually uh, the educated people within the world will realize that this is a better way to impact the environment and impact the world to go. Is there anything you want customers who buy your beef to know or anything you want to say directly to them? I just want to tell them thanks right off the bat. I really appreciate them buying my product. Hope that they buy into my philosophy of like being kind to animals and being kind of the community and, and supporting local ag agriculture and like the fact that it's actually kind of part of a rebellion um good for the, them it's good for the world it's good for the ground it's good for the atmosphere and uh, i appreciate them what is one way your customers can be more connected to what you are doing how can customers be more supportive of your effort to raise sustainable beef? By coming and going for a ride and moving our cattle. Uh, horseback ride. Horseback, horseback ride rides. through e guide service. If they wanted to go for a ride and, and just ride through the cattle or just a short move or whatever, that supports our local agriculture and it supports us. Like it just keeps us afloat. and. Um, just buying beef from your local producer and like, and supporting your local producer. Guys, tell your friends, family, share the Instagram posts. <laughs> share the Instagram posts. Share, yeah. That oh, goes under uh, if you, you want your okay. customers to know anything, You're right? Welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm That's what we want you to for. know. No, it's great. Share and like our posts. <laughs> what world or community issues keep you awake at night? I don't want to sound like my grandparents <laughs> or my Puma. parents. People have lost the tolerance to, to deal. They, no one adults anymore, man. They can't be nice to each other. Like, it's like they can't be kind to each other. It's like gone out of our society. Like, and like, you have to be, you have to learn to accept the difference. Kind, you know, like, like Martin Luther King's idea of like, I dream of a day that my children will be judged by the contents of their character and not the color of their skin. To anger, they rush to hate, they rush to, to uh, these, the, the easiest things in the world to rush to. Hate, anger, um, fear. fear. Um, thank you, I appreciate it. You've heard this speech before, <laughs> huh? Um, those easy 
easy like instinctual rather instinctual, than logical or... instinctual rather than logical it's primate type behavior you have to control yourself and 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 act like a human being what is your biggest challenge as a beef producer right the rising cost of feed is 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 what it is and um and the day-to-day losses and death and happiness is what it is and that's just what you signed on for but my i guess the, the thing when it comes down to it is making a living and like in doing what why i'm so appreciative of what you're doing right now is is selling those animals for what you actually to make a profit um because most people in, in the United States that are playing the commodity game and they're most likely, you know, the average herd like five years ago was somewhere between one and 20 head or, wow. tw- you know, it was like, it was a very low number. And like most people had a loss every year, every year for as long as I've been in it. And like, um, so Making a profit is, 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 is immense and knowing your numbers and like understanding that this is not free and we're not of the size, you and I, where we're getting any kind of com- commodity breaks and price fixing or subsidies or, subsidies or, or anything like that. We're, we don't have bent hats or we're looking in the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's why I haven't far, heard that one before. Farmers' heads, hats are always bent like that because they're always looking in that mailbox for that next check. For the <laughs> subsidy check <laughs> yeah. or but, disaster relief check. Yeah, or... it, it, you get to you get to bur- you get to take that burden by yourself. What would make your challenges that you just talked about easier to mitigate? Um. Honestly, I wouldn't be in the business I'm in if if it weren't if it weren't for the price fixing that's happening between the big four. You know, the big four are definitely are you know just destroying the the, the um the cow calf business. Um so the removal of that quadrupoly you yep. think would, it would really be uh, would be really really helpful um also the opening up of public lands with the 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 the, uh, the knowledge of like okay well this isn't working you know set stock grazing is not a working th- thing you need to move these animals do you hope to stay in this industry yeah why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm an idealistic human being. <laughs> um, and I just... I love to see the animals day to day. And I love the lifestyle. And that's great. But I'm not here just not to make, a mo- not, not to make money. I, would, I want to see and make a living for my family. Because as you well know that... Raising beef or animals or whatever is like, is hard. It's heartbreaking. It's 
breathtaking, heartbreaking. It is, it is life in its finest sense. It is everything. You know, you have these days of complete joy and complete misery, and like they come at you so fast. And uh, I choose it, and like I just once you get into that deal, it's probably the hardest. You know. I'd rather quit Copenhagen than <laughs> quit branching. Because <laughs> um, it, is, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is, well, you won the lottery. You're just going to ranch I'd ranch till it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite cut of beef, and how do you like it cooked? I like skirt steaks. Yeah. Marinated skirt steaks is my favorite. Those are just the ones that I, I, I just love a good taco and the taste of that meat is just so awesome and it's consistent you don't run into a fat part you don't run into a over lean part it's just a consistent awesome piece of beef and you really can't deny a good ribeye either <laughs> a grass-fed ribeye you know when it gets into the when it gets too fatty and corny i'm just like eh, count me out yeah I just don't it's doesn't it doesn't make me happy um so a nice lean ribeye is good too that so skirt Are you a medium medium oh well, it's gotta medium be rare. medium rare okay. medium rare there's no such thing as well done <laughs> <laughs> what is one funny story you have about your cattle or lifestyle funny stories is like tom Rarden decided to brand his cattle and like I know, Tom Reardon like picked me up on the side of the road after I ran out of like fuel in the in the middle of nowhere like long time ago and then we before met before you even knew him before right? I knew him and, and like he, he drug me around and made me look at his cows and made me look at his horses and <laughs> like like totally was that like sounds just like Tom yeah. he like kidnapped me because I because I was like I need I ran out of gas and he was like oh yeah uh, uh, <laughs> hostage here, here, friend here, here, hostage friend <laughs> sweet so like he totally kidnapped me but he has this branding and he's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna brand all these cattle these calves and he's his calf it's like august or september or something you know like huge calves and no horses and like i was like should i bring a horse he's like no we'll just mug him well oh, yeah. i grab a hold of this cow and i grab it by the head and i was like i'll just mug it and throw it down what drug me around the outside of the pen like bouncing my head off of every pole I, like bam bam was bam, that bam, the bam. one that we were there for? yeah i yeah, think so I definitely it was like a xylophone with your head on the crowl yeah just, ding, 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 ding. yeah we're all like oh yeah, yeah. That, that has hurt. Bam! Oh, that has bam! Ow! Let go! Let go! And I'm branding yearlings. Oh, yeah, geez. branding yearlings, like 500-pound calves. <laughs> One thing that I remember was my mom had these friends in from, like, Illinois. And, like, and like there's so many heartbreaking stories and so many, like, uplifting stories and, like, s stories of, like, serious depression of, like, not making something get through or like something getting th actually making it live and like you know you got those those tumultuous stories that are like awesome and heartbreaking and make wor worthwhile but like every once in a while there's like a funny story 
And I remember we had this, we had these two bottle calves. And like, I made the kids like go out and feed them for like ever, ever and ever. And like, they're, they're bubbles? totally bottle calves. And the way you, you get a bottle calf to, to drink is you stick that freaking big bottle through your legs so that calf can come up behind you, find the inside of your leg, work his way up beside your leg, find that nipple, and then he starts going to town. Bam, 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 bam. You know, and, he, and when they're little, it's fine. You know, 60 pounds, 70, 80, 90 pounds. Well, when that animal gets to be about 500 pounds, it's not so much fun anymore to like, and they come at that bottle like, like with gusto. And my mom brought these friends out from Chicago. <laughs> and those two bottle calves like came right up to them. And they were standing out and looking at the cows and they're happy and you know, whatever. And all of a sudden those bottle calves remembered that they wanted a bottle, but now they weighed about 600 pounds. <laughs> and that bottle calf was, had those two women, it was raising them off the ground <laughs> every time, you know, and you know how a calf will hit that bag to make it drop the milk. Oh. Well, he was hitting that bag oh, uh, between their legs. Those two were hitting the back, these two women, and they were getting like launched. Oh, they were getting launched every time, like bam, 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 off the ground. And they were like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going on? These calves are trying to nurse off of them and they don't have a bottle or anything, but they can't find that nipple. So they just keep hitting keep. that bag and lifting them off the ground. Like, Oh, man. And hard. So that was really fun <laughs> to watch. I got a good kick out of that one. Oh, man. That's yeah. a good one. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Ed Siegel of Centennial Valley Beef. I hope you enjoyed it as much, if not more, than I did. And I look forward to the next interview I'm going to do with Bridger Rairdon of Rairdon Beef in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, don't forget that our bulk beef deposits close March 1st. So if you want to purchase beef from any of the grass-fed and finished ranchers uh, in southeast Wyoming that Taste of the Wind works with, you are welcome to go place your deposit on our website. That is www.tasteofthewind.com. Get that in before March 1st and be entered to win one of our free Meet Your Rancher experiences with the ranchers that we are recording on these interviews. I look forward to talking to you guys next time on another episode of the Taste of the Wind podcast. Until then, take care. Mm -hmm.